I'm Matt Godbolt. And I'm Ben Rady. And this is Two's Compliment, a programming podcast. Hey, Ben. Hey, Matt. So you were talking to us the other day, and by us I mean the folks at work, about one of your, your pastimes, which isn't really very programming related, but somehow, because you're you, you were able to bend it to fit a group of technical people. So I yes. figured we should take the opportunity to, to ask you on this podcast about that so that you can, you know, um, give more people the, this uh, a window into the world. Yeah. You describe. So, do you want to well, talk this about is it? Definitely, yeah, this is definitely off-brand for us. But right. We well, I don't know. There's we're going to statistically kind of... lose seven-tenths of our listener on this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the expected return of yes. our, our listener reduces. But, you right. know, well, so, I mean, tell me about golf. Golf, man. And not uh, code yeah, so golf in this instance. No, not code golf or frisbee golf or... Uh, there's gotta be other kinds of golf. No, I, so I've been playing golf for a long time. I've been playing golf since I was, uh, 10, 11, 12, somewhere in that range. And, uh, lately there's been a lot of changes to the game of golf and it's been, um, able to be quantified a lot more than it could in the past. And this has sort of exposed some sort of like, you know, well-trodden, well-known, you know, sort of old wisdom mm-hmm. as being incorrect or misleading. And as a result, the game has changed pretty dramatically. And in fact, I think you could say that um, in the last 20 years, golf has probably changed more than it has in the first 500 years. I mean, golf wow. has been played since the 15th century. So, and to back this claim up, yeah. that's a pretty bold claim. It's a actually. bold claim. Very bold. And to back this claim up, I would maybe point to the one of the most recent major tournaments in golf, the PGA Championship. Uh, the the course had to be laid out in a way such that one of the tees was on the opposite side of a green of another hole. Like the oh. golfers had to wait for the players on the green to clear. Before they could tee off, knocking a and ball this, over their because heads, they're hitting basically. it over the over the green, over their heads. And the reason for this is because uh, the length of the course, as it was originally laid out, which wasn't that long ago, was just too short. It oh, was too gosh. short for the modern game, and so they had to lengthen it. And they didn't really have any space to lengthen it into. So they're like, well, we're just going to put it on the other side of the green. And yes, that kind of sucks because it means that people are going to have to wait, but. This is my like evidence for crazy for, golf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's like through the windmill golf, and out the golf other courses over the hill and under the thing, and you got to hit it through this pipe. Um, and 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 sort of the changes that have occurred in golf and their technological changes, but I think there are also some more sort of statistical changes. Is sort of the money ball effect that I was going to say. Had. It sounds very yeah. much like Mike Moneyball, but you're saying this is over and above like like what what one I might imagine is like better nutrition, understanding of the physics of it, like in terms of musculature and stuff like that. Something more strategic. What, what I mean. I, I think it's two things. I think there's two things. And, and they both have their own sort of nerdy aspects to it. But, you know, today we're probably just going to focus on one. One is the, just the technology. Right. right? Like, uh, you know, balls, golf balls that fly farther, um, drivers that hit the ball farther. You know, distance has been sort of a main factor, but also, you know, technology around like, you know, spin and control and wedges and all these other things. 
in the last 20 years, last 25 years, have changed really significantly, much more oh, than I think that uh, they have. As a layperson, like a, a golf stick is a golf stick, right? It's just a, it's right. a long tube of metal with a thing on the end of it you hit the ball with. But it, you're saying there's a lot more sophistication than that. Yeah, yeah. I, mostly with golf balls, but also with with uh, clubs, specifically drivers. Okay. You know, like, you know, 50 years ago, uh, uh, like a, a driver with a metal head on it was a revolutionary thing right like they used oh, to be made out of wood, wood. they were woods that's what i still think right. of them as, a, as wood right because like my dad's exactly. old set would be made of wood but yeah i do remember yeah. The, the yeah yeah and and then you know they sort of invented like okay what if we made them out of out of steel and now they're made of out of carbon fiber composite right wow uh tailormade actually just came out with a new driver that is entirely carbon fiber composite there's no titanium in it which is what um so so these kinds of developments have have especially for the pros um, but also for amateur players, really more for pros, uh, changed the game pretty significantly. Right. And then the other thing, aside from sort of the technology, the equipment technology that changed, is uh, the stuff that I talked about uh, uh, yesterday, which is being able to quantify things about uh, the, the game, about strategy, about swing, golf swings, and the effect that they have on the ball. Uh, in ways that um, people were just kind of like assuming based on their observations. Right. 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 Um, I remember the sort I, of like cooking, to completely take this off, off track, but mm-hmm. I remember like a friend of mine, you know, this is probably 10 years ago, saying like, you know, so many things that we know, know in quotes about cooking don't bear out if you actually try experimenting with it and try yes. measuring it and try using like a heat lamp and whatever. I mean, you, 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 you know about this stuff as well. Yes. But like, yes. you know, because these things get passed down and without any way to check, you go right. with the sort of essentially superstition over these things, and now you, you're saying we have ways of, of of measuring and saying, are we actually doing what we think we're doing? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So we have uh, some of the more recent develops and again uh, developments, and I think again this is sort of like over the last twenty years or so. You've got launch monitors, you've got devices that you can put down, and when you hit a golf club, and using either high speed cameras or radar or both. It can measure very precisely ah. what direction the ball so flies. You put how down far a little goes. thing on the yep. on, like like near where your your ball is, and you mm-hmm. like click a button or whatever, and then you sort of take your shot, and it and then you get some yeah. kind of telemetry about what the heck happened. Exactly. You I don't see. even need to click a button; it just detects that there was a golf I guess, shot, and yeah. it'll yeah, and it'll record that. Uh, and there, you know, there's there's different mechanisms that they use to do this, but you can get very precise information about. Um, what the face angle of the club was when it hit the ball. Was it pointing three degrees to the right or was it pointing three degrees ah. to the left? Was it straight? What the spin of the ball was as it came off the club, how fast it was moving, the angle that it was moving at, the angle that the club was moving down into the ball when it hit it, oh, or was gosh. it you know, maybe going up at a different angle? You know, How far behind or in front of the ball did it hit? And so That's a um, lot of information. Yeah, it's a ton. It's a ton of information. And just just and, to you know, take just nerding out for a second there, like this is kind of pretty cool stuff if you're doing very high speed. Because I mean, how many? Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't a regular fo- uh, phone, regular camera cameras you might have on no. your phone. Because like, I can't imagine in the small area that your the, the club head and the ball are in that that it spends more than 
a thousandth of a second in that right. kind of area, something of that yes. order. And that's, that's yes. like not very much time to record all that telemetry and to be able to look at it. How amazing. Yeah. And then to process it. And you say you're doing spin, it's doing spin recognition. So mm-hmm. presumably the dimples on the ball are enough for it to do like com- and, and motion the markings, compensation. Yeah, like the logo basically. Yes. Oh my yes. God. So like there's, I mean, right. Just to get a bit of tech into this, actual tech tech into this. <laughs> right. Like there's a lot of yeah. cool things going on in there. That's really, really clever. Yeah. But anyway, the result is you get a ton of information about your shot that allows you to make determinations uh, about whether right, what, right. what actually made the difference. And and these devices now have come down in price. The technology's gotten good enough. They're very accurate, and they're not that expensive. You know, a really good launch monitor is is kind of expensive. Costs about twenty thousand dollars. Right, that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's 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 the sort of the high end. Okay. But you can get ones for the, about for the price of a of a laptop computer. You can okay. get one for you know for like five hundred dollars to two thousand, three thousand dollars. And if you're, yeah, if you're very taking it very good. seriously, you know, as a hobby, yeah. that's not an un, totally unreasonable amount of money to, to right, spend. Right, right. And the sort of democratization of this technology, where it's you know, and especially a lot of these things really took off with COVID because people were you know at home. Not a lot to do. Wound up with a little bit of extra spending cash. Cause sort of like, well, I can't go out anymore. I can't actually go out and play golf. Although they, they did eventually open that up. What do I do? Well, I'll go buy one of these launch monitors. And so the the availability of these things and the sort of ubiquity of them has allowed people to talk about golf in a quantifiable way where Got they it. couldn't before. Right. You have instructors now that are you know used to say things like, oh, what you need to do is get your left arm a little bit more flat. Right. Like that's that's the way to improve your scores. And now you have instructors that say, no, what you need is to decrease your angle of attack with the club face from 7.2 degrees down to 4.2 degrees down because you're hitting down too much on the ball and you need to get it down from seven to four. And you can have somebody that just sits there and like you don't even need to tell them what to do with their arms or their body or their whatever. You just say try to hit it less down. And they're like, oh, I went from 7 to 6.8. Good, you're improving. Do more of that. Well, I'm down oh, to gosh. 5.2. So oh, great. I was going to say, like, with, going. with all this technology, it sort of seems like it takes out the humanity of it somehow, but like not at all because the skill level is still absolutely required to have that like, dexterity yes. and, and fine motor control at that velocity right. and strength that you're presumably putting into it as well so right, right, but it, right. it lets you have a very quantum yeah i i you know I'm, I'm having a sort of flashback to my poor dad trying to teach me to play golf and standing behind me <laughs> and telling me all the things that i'm doing wrong and i'm sure yes. he's right about almost all of them but like i don't know how <laughs> i know i was definitely doing something wrong because i wasn't very good <laughs> right 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 and i think this has had a really positive effect on the game for lots of reasons one is is it creates a feedback cycle. You know, we talk about yeah. feedback on this podcast quite often, yep. and it creates a feedback cycle that is 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 much more um, quantifiable, obviously, but I think also much less prone to superstition. Yeah. Right. Like like oh, you got to keep your head down, or you got to keep your left arm straight, you know, all these kinds of things. Like okay, well, what effect does that have on the ball? What does it really? And then it's do. Yeah. If what I, does yeah, that actually if I do? Lift my head up at the and, end of the shot. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of like well, once you master it, it'll make your shots better. It's like well, that's a long time away, and that seems like a really long investment to make. Like. Can I do something that will just make it better right now? Mm-hmm. And with these sort of like, you know, the the sort of um, impact dynamics and like understanding how ball flight works, which which is another thing, sidebar, uh, golfers were wrong about that for 500 years. What? Like the way that ball flight actually works, there's, if you Google 
uh, golf new ball flight laws, yes, you will figure out that only in the last 20 years have people actually figured out how golf balls really fly I, off a club. I and that is in, in large part because of these, these, this technology and these launch They're markers. able to look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's not, that's not true at all. Yes, yes, yes. So, so now we've, we've come into this world where you can say, like, okay, I'm not going to give you all this advice that might maybe one day be useful. I can look at the physics of the ball. I can measure what you're actually doing on this launch monitor. And I can tell you, yeah, the path of your club is in to out by five degrees. And that's too much. That's what causes your hook. So you right. need to narrow that down to two degrees and you will immediately see the, the flight of your ball change. Now, whether you can repeat that on the golf course or whether you can do other things is practice and you have to but, still all do those I mean, things. As, as, a, as a lay person... Like yeah. I could see that really gamifying it for myself to be able to like, I, mm -hmm. I know what I'm doing wrong and I can st sort of fathom out what, what I might need to change. But when it's just randomly going off to the left and my dad saying, Oh no, 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 you need to open the club face or whatever. And I'm like, I'm, I think I'm doing that and it's getting worse. I don't right. know if, am right. I just doing it wrong or are you, yes. is there some yes. supposition that we both have wrong? Is that not how it really works? That, that right. really right. interesting. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So that obviously makes a lot of sense, right? If you can understand the, the physics of the situation and what you need to change to change the both the uh, the 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 direction of the ball as it comes off the uh, the club head and also the way it's spinning and interacting with the air and all that kind right. of stuff. But what else can you do with numbers? So so the other thing that you can do, and this is another sort of um, a, a more recent development, I think. Uh, and the pithy phrase for this is a, a, a golf club is a shotgun, not a rifle. Um, <laughs> and what that means is that when you hit a golf ball, having an expectation that it is going to fly, you know, 150 yards um, and land and roll out five yards or something like that is just a flawed way to think about right. golf. What you should be thinking about is this is my dispersion area. I see. I'm going to hit a ball and it's going to be somewhere in this area. And the essence of strategy really is just mapping that dispersion area for all your different shots yep. to the hole that's in front of you and trying to pick the one that has the best results. The most favorable outcomes and the least yes. unfavorable. So like a Monte Carlo simula simulation of like, yes. given that you're going to be landing in this region with this right. sort of probability density, um, right. what's the right place to aim for <laughs> to get the best <laughs> chance? Yep. Because yeah, like you say, I mean, like you know, I, the, my the, my limit of playing golf is on the Wii, so you know, you know where it's <laughs> right, going to land yes. because there's a dirty, great big line showing you where it's yes. going to land, and it bounces beautifully every time. There's never any surprises. Right. But in I've, I have noticed that in real life, that doesn't tend to happen. So it doesn't really work. That so way. You, yeah, you're yeah. saying actually, so there's a strategy here over and above. Mm -hmm. Just get it to this point. That's the nearest point you can get to without getting into the water, and then go from the water to the over the water to the the hole or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, and then sort of quantifying like what is the sort of expected value in that area yep. is another place where both the sort of launch monitor technology and other technology, so there's other cool things that they have, um, and this is only possible because of GPS, which is only possible because of NASA, which is only possible because of, and you go all the way back all in time back and you see how all these wonderful things tie together. Einstein's Burke would theory be very of relativity, happy. general yes. theory of relativity. And, uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so thanks, Einstein, for the ability uh, to, for us <laughs> to play golf in this way, where you have devices that you can attach to your golf clubs that will track all of your shots on the course. Neat. And 
that will give you some interesting information. It'll help you calculate these dispersion areas that we're talking oh, about. Oh, right, empirically so. Like, you know, yes, I was like, here with a 7 iron, and then I, it doesn't matter what I did, I landed in this region, and I, I can play the same hole 20 times and just go, where did I land from the, the T every time or whatever. Exactly, exactly. Neat. Which right. you can also do in the launch monitor, and you can compare those two results. Like, you can hit, you know, 10 7 irons on a launch monitor and see what your dispersion area is, and then you can go down on a golf course, and you can play, and you can take that data and... and you know, correlate it together and be like, am I seeing on the course what I'm seeing on my launch monitor? No, why not? Why not? Well, yeah. maybe the wind or maybe I'm, you know, following a slightly different, uh, uh, you know, routine when I'm on the golf course, you know, on a launch monitor, maybe I'm just hitting the same balls over and over again and I need to mix it up or whatever it might be. You can correlate those things. And then taking all of this information and especially the, the shot location information, one of the more interesting things that the the tour, the, the professional PGA tour did, is in 2001 they built this system that uses laser rangefinding to measure to just a few inches where every golf professional on every tournament hits their ball. So there's this really rich data set wow. that, that is available that you can get that, that shows for all of these different shots. And using that information, there was a guy named Mark Brody that came up with this uh, this technique called strokes gained where okay. there used to be, you know, lots of different ways to measure sort of the quality of a golf shot, right? People would say, Oh, we, well, did you hit your, the green in regulation or did you hit the fairway? Did you hit the, you know, all these other things. Mm -hmm. And these stats, like they weren't really good. They didn't really tell you anything. And so what he wanted to do is, is to be able to compare from one shot to the next, from one player to the next, from one course to the next, how good was this shot? How, how can I quantify that? Right. Right. How do I rate so a particular shot or, Yes, yes. And he wanted to measure, the unit of measure that he wanted to use was strokes. So he could make claims like that strategy that you chose was two-tenths of a stroke, a stroke worse than this other strategy that you could have chosen. Fractional right? he strokes to here as well, like yes. to be able to do a quantifiable analysis between things where, right. it, you know, yeah, okay. Right. So he wanted to be able to do that. So his method for doing this was basically he came up with a system where he measured the average number of strokes that it took professionals right. and amateurs, actually, he did this for amateurs too, but, but it was easier with professionals because the data was there, to say how, well, how many strokes on average does it take to hole out from a particular location on the course? So if you're you know, 420 yards away on the tee, yeah. on average, that's like 4.1 strokes right. for a professional golfer right, to hole out. Right, because it's a par four or whatever and that's what the cold well, it doesn't even matter what i the guess par it doesn't matter is. no 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 yeah. this is like a, an empirical determination yeah of... it could be a par five it could be a par four it doesn't matter we're measuring how many strokes does it right. take on average from golfers to hold out from, from this the location from this particular location. so there's a kind of a yeah. map over i can i'm sort of imagining yeah. a map of the golf course uh yes where i can like see the contours of from here we'd expect to be four strokes from here we'd expect to be three two and then once you get around the whole one or whatever and that right. that's kind of you're right. expected if you could play like a professional Yes, an average professional, an average professional from right. this location, yep. the expected number of strokes would be 3.2, right? Or 1.6. Yep. Um, and so the way that he measures, the way that the system he came up with to do this was, okay, we're going to take the average from your starting location. Yep. Uh, we're going to subtract one because you're hitting a stroke. Right, so you're if taking you hit a stroke, that shot. you would expect yep. to get one better, yep. right? And then we're gonna, and then we're gonna subtract the the expected number of strokes at the ending location. So if you start out at a starting location and your average is four point one, 
and you hit it. You hit a shot. So okay, we're going to subtract now and go down to three point one. Because like, g- given this system being perfect, then every time you hit a stroke, you should be one stroke nearer you to the be hole. One stroke got nearer it. to the hole, right? Exactly. And then if your ending location turned out to not be very good, like you didn't hit a very good shot, and your ending location wasn't three point one, it was actually like three point three. Yep. Then you've actually lost two tenths of a stroke on that. I see. Right? Whereas if you hit a better shot and your ending location was two point eight, then you know three point one minus two point eight, you actually gained three tenths of a stroke. So you did better, right? That's and now he really had this system that he could use to quantify and say, like, okay, if you use if you hit this shot, you gained two tenths of a stroke. If you hit this shot, you lost four tenths of a stroke. I so see. clearly this is better. Well, so that's so what you can, you can em- kinda... empirically determine for any one position, like where you are, right. what where you, what you should get, and then hit the ball, where did you end up? And then you can just say like, th- I, that was, I can say that it was a, a, a gained point two of a, of, yes. of a stroke there. Yes, yes. And this, and this system takes into account the lie that you have. It takes into account how far you are from the hole. It takes into account whether or not you have a clear line to the flag. So if you have to like chip out, you know, something like that. Oh, I see. If you're like behind a tree or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're you're stuck behind a tree. Again, all of my experience comes from Wii Sports, really. So, I mean, we're not really talking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you can imagine taking this information. Okay. And then combining it with the shot dispersion patterns. Oh. And now what you're basically doing is just trying to find an area with the lowest stroke or with the most strokes gained. Oh, gosh. So you have a huge data set of what actually happened. Mm -hmm. And you've got this this map of where what the scoring like expected score from any location is. And then you can apply the two and kind of work out. See if there are patterns, presumably, in this data. See if there are patterns, and, and so so to maybe uh, make a video game out of this. Yes. Imagine you've now got you've this got little <laughs> you've got this little slider, and you can just go through all your clubs, and as you change from you know seven iron, eight iron, nine iron, t- you know wedge, whatever, and wh- as you do that, you can see the d- your your dispersion pattern for that club right. changing and being overlaid on the hole. Yeah. Right. Now imagine, furthermore. That the area inside your dispersion pattern, you take the uh, strokes gained from that area, and you and you take the average of it, and you just show it on the screen, right? Oh. And as you sort of like like let's say that you're you're farther away from the hole, you're like you're like 200 yards away from the hole, right? And uh, you're like, okay, well, I could I could hit like my three wood that that goes you know about 200 yards. But there's a creek that runs in front of the green. So as you go as you scroll through and you go seven iron. Eight, you know, six iron, five iron, you know, five wood, three wood, that stroke, stroke now gain is going danger zone up for and the up creek. and up, right? And then all of a sudden you start intersecting with the creek and then uh-huh. it starts going down again, right? It's like, oh, because you might hit in the creek and that'll be a one stroke penalty, Got right? It. And so like, and then as you move the, your aim left to right, you know, maybe you can hit it that far, but take the creek out of play, right? And that's like the quantification of golf strategy, Got it. right? It's you like, can it's run like, that Monte Carlo simulation and say like, right. what is my expected value for this club given my abilities and my dispersion um, right. and the actual lie that I'm currently in and yes. the actual yes. place that I'm going to end up in um, right. or like the right. likely areas and I can weight them however that's... All right, so now yeah. now you've definitely turned it into a video game. Where now, and well, in fact, what you've turned it into is what our day job is, <laughs> yeah, that's which right. is sort of quantitative, like trying to find the the minimum or the maximum of some kind of 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 uh, of 
of complicated, very, very complicated feature set, which right. is exactly what this is, right? You know? Right, right, right. Wow. Yeah, and and especially like more skilled golfers, it's not like they just have like their seven iron shot, right? They have five or six different shots they can hit with a seven yeah. iron, and each one of them has their own dispersion pattern. So you know, you're talking about you know po- potentially hundreds of different patterns that you could potentially map onto a hole. And so, you know, as a player or as a caddy, especially on tour, like you're standing there, like, I don't think that these guys are like, you know, mapping these things out quite on the course quite yet, but it wouldn't surprise it's me if that sort of happening. thing I mean, starts to maybe happen a little bit. It's pretty high I mean, stakes stuff. So, I mean, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the yeah, drive yeah, yeah. to want to do this kind of stuff. So, so exactly. are there any like general things that come out of anal- anal- analyzing this data? You mentioned right at the beginning that like there are some old folk wisdom things that have been shown to be wrong. So is, is that something oh, yeah. in this that can, that we can, uh, is there a conclusion we can draw from like this kind of data that, that would help even like someone as in it as myself? Absolutely, absolutely. And you may remember some of these things from your youth being being taught golf. There's there's things about the swing that turn out not to be true, and there's things about strategy that turn out not to oh, be true. Oh, okay. Um, some of the thing, one of the things about the st- swing that turns out not to be true is I I was taught as a as a young lad because uh, this is golf um, that the way that you shape a golf shot, so the way that you control whether your ball is gonna you know curve to the right or curve to the left, right. Right, because that's sometimes important in golf. You got to curve it around a tree or some around other around a dog leg right? or something. Yeah, yeah something Again, like that. Again, we sports the, is where I've seen this happen, ex- or, yeah, right. or not yes. on purpose at the driving range when I'm doing it. Like, why? Right. Why is it right. going? Why is why it going back that? Why did it do that? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So the old school wisdom on how to mm-hmm. do this, the thing that was taught by teachers and by professionals, you know, forever, was that you pointed the face of the club at the place where you wanted the ball to wind up. Okay, yes. And then you swung the club along a path that represented the way that you wanted the ball to start. Uh, so if yeah. you wanted the ball to curve toward a target, you would point the club at the target. And then if you wanted it to curve from the left to the right, you would swing the club to the left. Uh, effectively opening and closing the club face to, to point to where you want to go. But then the, your swing direction is where it's, is, is the launch direction, effectively. Yes. Got it. I yes. think I think that uh, makes sense. Yep. Yes, yes. Turns out that's completely wrong. Okay. Uh, you, can, you can look at... <laughs> you listen at, to this, Dad. <laughs> it's, it's basically the opposite of that, in a way. Um, the, the, the initial launch... You can see this on a you know, high-speed camera. You can, mm-hmm. you can verify it with, with all these new devices that we have available to us. Um, the initial path of the ball, 85% of that initial path is determined by the face angle. So the Gosh. starting line is the is face angle. It's actually the face not, angle. So like yes. you hit it with... Yeah, okay. Even though the yes. club is kind of I, yeah, I can't, it's hard to describe with without because I'm gesturing wildly at you, but <laughs> right, but right. that's but fascinating. Where, where the club face is pointing at impact, eighty-five uh, percent of that initial direction is determined by that that angle. Got it. Right? Where it curves is a function of the relationship between that angle and the path. Right. And so the general rule is, if you want the ball to curve to a target. Neither the face nor the club path should be pointing at that target. <laughs> what you want to try to do is um, roughly, and unfortunately it's not exactly okay. this, but roughly you want the club face to be pointing in between the target line and the path of the club. Okay. So uh, so as a person who's trying to master this for the first time, I, I have these memories as a kid of like trying to you know set myself up as like, okay, I'm going to point the club face at the target and I'm going to swing along this path and I'm going to hit it. And what I would see is that the ball would start at the target 
and then, then curve away more from off it. to the yeah. side. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, I guess maybe maybe I had it wrong. What did I do wrong here? And it's like, no, that's exactly you were doing exactly what you thought you were doing. It just doesn't work that way, right? Um, How has that been so persistent for so long? I, it's just superstition. It's like the cooking thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, you got to sear the steak to seal right. in the juices. I was right? thinking you know? exactly of searing when I was yes. bringing this up. It's like, that's not yes. a thing. It doesn't. It's like, no, that doesn't work like that at all. Right. <laughs> it's just one of those things that it's like, oh, well, if you're an expert, this is what you say. And then that gets passed down and passed down and passed down. And then finally, somebody was like, ah, guys, I don't, I got this video here. It's 20,000 <laughs> frames a second. And you can kind of see it doesn't work like that. So I don't know what you were taught, but. But this yeah, doesn't, it works it doesn't go only right? if it works at all. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so that is, that is one thing. Another thing, uh, and this is more on the strategy side, but it used to, you know, people had this pithy saying, uh, drive for show, putt for dough. And what they meant by that was is that putting was really important and driving was sort of seemed cool. And it's like, oh yeah, I hit the ball 300 yards, but it's really not all that. That's important. absolutely what I, you know, as an extremely terrible golfer, like a friend of mine said, yeah, I, I I learned quote bad golf where you know if you're bad at golf you can get by doing these things. Just learn to you know putt reasonably well. Everything mm-hmm. else, you know, I basically play hockey with a seven iron down the down the fairway till I get right. into the hole and then it's putting it. Right, and now I'm good. But I pretty could probably putt with a seven iron too. I just that's the only club that I need. <laughs> they just need a seven just iron. Just a seven yeah. iron is fine, right? Every, as you say, you can play many shots with a seven iron. Yeah, I, and I mean, you know, that's it's honestly that's not a bad way to play golf. Yeah. So, but, but that's not true. What? How is how how is that not true? And it is, how do you know it it's very not true? not true? How do I know it's not true? Is is the real question yeah. we should be asking? So this is, gets back to Mark Brody and and his strokes gained approach. He wanted to try to figure out like what makes good golfers good at every level, right? Okay. At the PGA Tour level, if you take the top forty golfers, the best forty golfers in the world, what makes them better than the rest of them that are on tour? Because the rest of them on tour are so amazingly good, right? To even but they're be not there. as good as these people, yes, right? Yeah. Um, and so he looked at he he basically analyzed. He said, okay, well they they perform better. I can use strokes gain to quantify uh-huh. how much better they perform, and I can break that down by category, right? So. How much does putting actually contribute to that top 40 players' um, additional ability? It's actually only 15%. What? So that is it, yeah. so drive for show, putt for dough doesn't really hold up. So sorry, 15% is is go through that again for me because I'm being slow. So so if you take so let's take the top 40 golfers in the world and right. let's compare them to the other professional golfers in the world. Okay. They gain more strokes. In the strokes gained methodology, yeah, okay. If you say that strokes yep. gained, right? So you like the top forty golfers. Let's just I'm making these numbers yep, up, okay. but let's say that they gain like you know two and a half strokes on average versus all the other ones, right? right? Where does that two and a half strokes? Come I see, from? I see, and then you can say where fifteen percent of it comes from putting. I okay. So of the overall improvement, only fifteen mm-hmm. can be attributed to putting. Exactly. I get exactly. Now. Okay, and driving. Yep. Contributes to 28%, so almost twice as much. Okay. So it turns out driving is twice as important as putting. Which, again, is like so not the received the wisdom. Because, and especially, you know, like there's a non-linearity between accuracy and whacking it as mm. hard as you possibly can. So, you know, maybe, yeah. But so that may work for professionals, but is that true generally? Yeah. So he did the same analysis. So so he didn't have the, the shot link data, but he actually built an app to allow people to track their own shots. Oh, and there cunning. are other people, you know, I was talking before about those devices now that you can get that can, will track your shots. And those devices have, have uh, 
have reproduced his results yep. and show the same thing, which is that at every skill level, yep. the thing that differentiates the higher skilled from the lesser skilled players is roughly this. So if we look at yeah. um, on the PGA Tour, so so we talked about you know putting is 15%, driving is 28%. Driving isn't even the most important thing. So the whole drive for show, putt for dough, it's like, well, guys, you left out the most important thing, which is actually approach play. Approach. So hitting into greens, right? So yep. hitting from the fairway, hitting from the rough into greens. So not on the tee and not, yeah, on, not on the, the green, tee, but like not on the, the middle green, bit. The middle bit, right? right? <laughs> Accounts for 40% oh my gosh. of the difference, right? So that is the, the dominating factor, and it's that's true at the professional level. It's also true at the amateur level. So for example... The difference between a golfer who usually shoots around 90 okay. and a yep. golfer that usually shoots around 80, 67% of their strokes gain, of their advantage, yep. is from driving and approach play, and only 33% is from putting and like right. chipping and sand shots. Same, same kind of, so again, that sort of yeah. uh, putting and, and the sort of special special shots, like there's only yeah. a third Hitting of it, two thirds is, is, is just yeah decent play in the, in the middle and the beginning. That's... That's right. amazing that you yeah. can get that amount of information. And I mean, I am genuinely surprised that it holds up in the amateur set. Because again, based on personal yeah. experience, I can reliably chip the ball forward 50 yards with a seven iron, right? If I don't try too hard and it goes roughly where I want it to go. But as soon as I try too hard, then that's when it's off into the undergrowth and I'm searching around yeah. for it. So obviously a, a base level of skill will help you <laughs> some some amount, but... Yeah. Well, one explanation for this, which makes a lot of sense to me, at least as a golfer, is that I can hit an eight foot putt. You can hit an eight foot putt and you can have some expectation of making that eight foot putt. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a professional can hit an eight foot putt and they're going to make it more often than we do, but they can do that. That's a shot that they can hit. There's no way in the world that I'm hitting a seven iron 210 yards. Mm -hmm. I'm physically incapable of doing that. Right. I can't, I can hit a ball 210 yards, but it's not going to have that like descent angle into the green. That it's going to make it. And the spin rate yeah. that'll make it hold and stick on and the green. And not just run off forever right? afterwards. Right. Yes. I have to basically hit a perfect shot to hit a shot onto a green from 210 yards. Uh, and I am just not physically capable of hitting this high arcing spinning shot onto a green from 210 yards that stays there. And so that's one explanation. And I think it's the one that Brody likes and a few other people have said as to why this phenomena happens, because um, that advantage that professionals have, that 40% advantage, is being able to hit approach shots and specifically longer approach shots into greens. And that is just shots that, that amateurs just can't do. Like, you can hit a chip from 50 yards, I can hit a chip from 50 yards, Tiger Woods can hit a chip from 50 yards. But only Tiger can hit his 7-iron 200, 200 yards, yards. And then land and have it stop And roughly. then land and have it stop. And then, that, right? yeah, that again, down to the the, um, yes. the, the splash zone. The yeah, what, what exactly. Call it? Like the, the, the dispersion, dispersion area. Dispersion area, right? much better yes. than the splash zone, yes. um, of where the shot's yeah. going to land. That's fascinating. Right. And, and also with driving, you know, Tiger can hit that 320-yard, or at least he could in his prime, hit that 320-yard, and professionals today can hit balls in 400 yards. I can't physically do that. That's you can give a me a thousand way. tries and I just wouldn't be able That's to do that. a very long way. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. So all this stuff comes around to, to, to sort of show us that, you know, you need data to be able you to, need data. I mean, you can convince yourself anything without data, 
Right. Sometimes right, right. you can convince yourself anything when you do have data. You know, like with C, <laughs> C for example, yes. benchmarking and micro benchmarks and other other things where right, you can kind of convince right. yourself, yeah, look, it's much faster this way, only because the branch predictor has got everything right every time, or whatever, yes. whatever your folly is there. But but in order to actually have some genuine understanding of what's going on and to be able to dispel myths and um mm-hmm. and superstitions legends, legends superstitions yeah uh, you do need the, the data and you, and now you can get it and there so is this open data some of this stuff open data or is it all closed so you know the, the one of the complaints that i have about all this is that the ecosystem around this, some of this data is very closed like if you go and you buy these devices mm-hmm. and you record all your shots like you know i put that in there that's my data. Yeah. But the only way that you can really get to it is like through their websites or through their apps, uh-huh. right? And and if the app disappears or the company goes out of business your or whatever, your data is gone as well. gone. And it's like, and if I want to load this into an Excel spreadsheet or like a because Google Doc of course or you like, do. you know, Python program, of course, of which course. I have done. Oh, yes. Uh, and analyze it myself. I can't do that. There's, there's one company that I, and I don't want to necessarily endorse anyone on the podcast, but there are companies out there that have more open data access. They'll let you get your data right. as a CSV file, which is exactly how it exactly works. Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just want a simple, open, portable format and for my data. And then you can go please. and do your own analysis. And then I can go do my own thing. Yeah. Um, but most of them don't do that. They have these sort of closed ecosystems. Now, it's good for them. Like the one of the companies that, that um, is very popular and unfortunately has a closed ecosystem is called Arcos. Um, and they have half a billion sh- golf shots in their database, Golly. right? Of amateur golfers that have hit real golf shots on real courses measured with GPS. And I follow the head of data analytics uh, at Arcos on Twitter because he's got some amazing insights into golf. Yep. <laughs> but I want to do that analysis myself. I want to be able to, to reproduce his results right yeah. now. I understand why the company isn't exactly uh, you know forthcoming and well, sharing yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, especially but, aggregated data. I mean, if, if just the privacy aspects alone, right, right as a part of it. Because obviously you want to have some idea about what quality level various golfers are and yes. whatever, so you can yes. partition the data. But I can't even get but my own, get data own data. That there, seems unforgivable right? to me. It is. It is Now, the launch monitor companies actually, I think, have been pretty good about this, right? Like, they have more open formats, and you can generally get access to your data. But all these companies that build, like, the club tracking – there's only one that I know of that lets you get your data off, and I think that's a damn well, shame. Well, a, a good friend of mine who I'm talking to right now has told me before now that if you have a website, then you have an API. So is there <laughs> any way that you could uh, exfiltrate your own data? I have thought about that. I have thought about that. <laughs> of course you I, have. I was, like, I was a little bit incensed by the idea of, okay, let me understand how this works. So I pay you $200 for these devices. And then I pay you $30 a year for a subscription fee. And then I have to write the JavaScript uh, bookmarklet that (laughs) goes and extracts the data off your website. And it isn't even all the data that I would want. Like, I want want lat longs. I want, you know, I want the... uh, you know, I want all of the data that I gave you. I just want you to give back to me. Right. Right. Uh, and they and some of that even doesn't show up on their website. So I, I, you know, I've been a little reluctant to sort of follow that path. But I have I, I do have a system and they, um, the system that I have does allow you to export your data. And I, I actually just got it a couple of weeks ago. And I'm sort of like, you know, You're still playing with it in the candy store. That's great. I have like one round of golf in there and I'm like picking it apart and going, <laughs> like, oh, I wonder if I could calculate this, or I could calculate that. Yeah. So, 
so yeah i mean all of this stuff is is kind of amazing and the fact that like you know it's really just like advances in technology that have made all of this possible and i really do i mean it is a bold claim but i really do think that golf has changed more in the last 25 years than it did in the first 500 you know yeah okay the golf ball changed we you know they used to play with what's called a feathery oh. uh which is basically a a a piece of leather with feathers stuffed into it. And that's your golf ball. And then they had the gutta percha ball, which was like a rubberized ball. Uh, and then, you know, the balata ball, which is the, the ball that, uh, you know, was like a synthetic ball that, that uh, golfers played with, you know, in like the fifties and sixties and seventies and eighties. And then it started to change. And I feel like that was the beginning of both the technological and sort of the quantification change in golf that has created a situation where it's like obsoleting golf courses, right? Golf courses that were made a hundred years ago now are not fit for are purpose. Are now are like like we what do we do? We got to move the tees back, but there's nowhere to go. I see. Right? Gosh. Um. So I feel like that's a pretty significant change. Well, I mean, I'd never thought that we would sit here on a programming podcast <laughs> doing essentially golf for hackers as we have done. Right. But, right, I mean, right. it's really fascinating, and uh, I, uh, I might even be tempted to pick up a, a golf stick myself. Well, if you ever want to play, let me know. <laughs> okay, I will do. You've been listening to Two's Compliment, a programming podcast by Ben Rady and Matt Godfold. Find the show transcript and notes at twoscompliment.org. Contact us on Twitter at 2CP. That's at T-W-O-S-C-P. Theme music by Inverse Phase. Inversephase.com. <laughs>